0: no matter what I'm going to do is going to be good or bad to some people. So I have to love it. And that's really all that matters. And that's, that's art. You have to love it
1: yourself. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome to the Kathy Heller podcast. This show is meant to be a guide for you. I want to be that mentor who can hold your hand through this journey. I know that there are so many twists and turns in navigating not only what is happening in our mind, but also understanding strategically how we want to get from where we are to where we want to go. In this show, we're going to talk not only about how we can start to become aware Of what are the subconscious things that are holding us back and how we can instead choose thoughts that are actually going to propel us forward. But in addition to changing the landscape internally, we are going to talk about the strategies that actually will help you to build a profitable business, getting paid to be you. Because when you have a business where you do what you love, you never really have to have that sense of work because it's a pleasure, because it's joy. And really, I want you to have the most abundant life. I want you to have the kind of life that you love waking up to every day that you don't feel like you need a vacation from. So together on this show, every single episode, I want to be your friend. I want to be your mentor. I want to show you what is it that I think has really been insightful been helpful what are the tools and strategies what are the mindset shifts that have helped me and what are the things that have helped my guests to get to where they are how can we together sort of cross this river to the most fulfilling life where we show up and we feel like we are living into our potential and having the most gorgeous beautiful experience because after all that is what we all desire we're all craving to have the most joyful beautiful life And I really believe that we can design that and that we can experience a life that we just absolutely love. And not only will we enjoy it, but it will be a possibility for other people It will show other people what's there for them. And then maybe together, each one of us by being the happiest versions of ourselves and being the most fulfilled versions of ourselves, we will help other people to reach for that higher branch and to find that in their own life. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to the Kathy Heller podcast. We have an excellent episode for you today. Nora Jones is here. It was really fun to talk to her. I can't wait to share this with you. Before we dive in, I just want to ask you, are you coming to my free workshop this week? It starts today. Every day this week, Monday through Friday, I'm going to be live at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 Eastern. If you have not signed up yet and you want to, it's free. It's five day immersion. It's called Most Abundant Year. We're going to talk about how you can allow abundance in your life, how you can get paid to be you. All you have to do is go to KathyHeller.com/slash workshop, and we're going to be leaving the replays up for 24 hours. So if you miss a day, you'll be able to catch that. So come on in and join us. We have over 12,000 people signed up, and it's been so fun so far. All right, so today, such a treat, Nora Jones is here. She's a nine-time Grammy-winning singer and pianist and Billboard's top jazz artist of the 2000s. You've probably heard her gorgeous debut album, Come Away With Me, which reached number one on Billboard 200. It won five out of eight Grammy nominations and was certified diamond for selling over 10 million copies. Her other albums include Feels Like Home, Not Too Late, The Fall, Little Broken Hearts, "Daybreaks," Pick Me Up Off the Floor, and I Dream of Christmas. To say, say that people love her music is definitely an understatement. She has sold more than 50 million albums and her songs have been streamed 6 billion times. It's just amazing. She's collabed with other great artists like Dolly Parton, Willie Nelson, Keith Richards, Ray Charles, Cindy Lauper. And now you can hear her singing on her podcast, Nora Jones is Playing Along. She has this amazing podcast where she sits down with her favorite musicians for impromptu musical collaborations and candid conversations. She has guests like Jeff Tweedy, Logic, Mavis Staples, and there's a lot more coming. So definitely go check it out. It was really a pleasure to sit down with her and hear about this whirlwind of a journey she's been on. She has a lot of humility, and at the core, she is just this beautiful, sweet girl who wants to do what she loves and play music, which is something I think we can all understand. This is such a great conversation. Let's get into it. Without further ado, please welcome the remarkable Nora Jones. Nora Jones, I'm so happy that you're here. This is really so cool. A, to just be with you, B, that you're doing a podcast is just like very, very, very generous of you. I think people love this intimacy with you, so I can't wait to get into all that, but thank you for making the time today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so happy to have you, and I really do want to talk a lot about this podcast, which is is somewhat fairly recent, but before we dive into that, I just feel like to have this time, it would be really nice to give people some context and- even though we've been watching and listening and on the journey for, for a while, I don't think that I know a lot about where you were before that. I don't think I know about little Nora and like when, <laughs> when you even decided that you had some gifts that you wanted to share with the world and, and the story of how you allowed that to come into the light. So can you tell us a little bit about where your road meets the inspiration that, okay, this is a calling. And I'm going to dedicate quite a fair amount of my life to, to using my voice in different ways.
0: Yeah, well, I grew up, I was born in New York City, but I moved to Texas when I was about three or four. And I mostly grew up in Texas and I went to church choir and I f- found that I got all the solos early on. So I, I knew I could sing since I was like five because um, she kept giving me solos. <laughs> And I really loved it and I was good at it and I I enjoyed it. So uh, mostly I did church choir for the next about five years. And that's really my main musical start. And I took piano lessons.
1: And then when did you decide, like, this isn't just something I like, but I'm going to focus on this. I'm going to do this with my life. I feel like I have to make this a big part of my work in the world, Probably in middle
0: school, I got really into, I started playing saxophone because I got really into jazz. And I started taking lessons, piano lessons with someone in Dallas who was more focused on like teaching me chords and how to write songs, kind of. And then I went to high school, I went to a performing arts high school in Dallas. And that was really the sort of, oh yeah, this is what I am. I don't think there really was a question at that point. Also those kinds of schools, you know, they're so intense with everything you're interested in, whatever it may be. Kind of just felt like we were all meant to do what we were doing as our selected major, you
1: know. Yeah. And you know, we all sort of had the the joy of watching you burst onto the music scene and it's so rare. And it's so, it's really like lightning in a bottle that somebody's debut album is so well received and really like so different than everything else that's ever been heard before. What was it like for you experiencing that entire journey, the beginning, and then we'll move to the next thing and the next thing, but what was that like for you on the inside? That was crazy. I mean, that was a crazy year for me because-
0: I was 22 when the album came out and I had just moved to New York uh, two years before. And I was still sort of making a transition of, of playing only jazz music, like old standards that were written in the 1940s <laughs> to learning how to write my own songs and really feeling confident about that. So it was sort of a, a capture of that transitional moment, the record was, and it was, was really innocent, but also really beautiful because the music, I feel like reflected that sort of innocence of not being too calculated musically. That makes sense. There was like hopefulness in there, but it was, it was melancholy. Cause I love that kind of music. <laughs> but so, you know, we really loved the album we made, but definitely wasn't engineered for pop radio. So it was wild. It was like a crazy whirlwind.
1: It reminds me a little bit. Of Christina Perry was here, she was talking about this just actual like it felt like she stepped through the looking glass because she had a song on So you Think You Can Dance, and the next thing she knew she had a record deal, the next thing she knew she wrote the song for Twilight, and it was just like this very big thing at a very young age, and she was saying the first three shows she played live. Two of those were The Tonight Show and Good Morning America. Like she had not been like playing Hotel Cafe for years. Like she had not been doing those things. And so, you know, similarly, there's one similarity here, which is like this being very young and touching gold so quickly. What was the process for you? Like from the time you started working on that album to how it, became something that everybody was aware of. What was the sort of like pattern of things that happened?
0: Well, I played a lot of gigs, you know, small restaurant gigs, mostly or small clubs, but not a ton of club shows. Like it was, I really worked out my stuff doing a lot of restaurant gigs in Dallas and then in New York, I was in a couple different bands and they were fine, but that wasn't like what I wanted to do. You know, I was this hired singer to be in these bands, but I wasn't necessarily singing my own music, but I ended up meeting someone in New York named Jesse Harris and he's a songwriter. And um, we became really good friends. And then I was joking around singing one of his songs one day and he really loved it. So he booked us a gig at the living room. And we added a few of my bass player, Lee Alexander's songs, a couple of my songs and a few covers and, and some of Jesse's songs and, that's really the sort of seed for the album. And it ended up being mostly those, that variety of songwriters and songs for the album. I got introduced to Bruce Lundfall at Blue Note Records because somebody saw one of my jazz gigs and he liked me. So he gave me some money to like record some demos, but he could tell I wasn't sure what I was doing. And the first demo we recorded was Don't Know Why, which was Jesse's song. And Many recording sessions later, not that many, not compared to like a pop record, but, you know, two different sessions later, we went back to that version of Don't Know Why. And that ended up being the version that was the hit of the record was the first demo we made (laughs) of it. So, you know, it really did feel right for most of the songs to be in that spirit. It really helped inform like the rest of the record. not too overthought, you know, sweet arrangements, but not, not overcooked.
1: (laughs) And how did those songs, which were, and still are everything you've done even since then, right? It's so you, it's like, it's your imprint. It doesn't sound like anything else, nothing where I feel like most of the things in the world, whether it's in one category of things, food, fashion, but there's similarities between certain things and other things, but you are like your own, it's like your own cosmic frequency. And so what was that like for those songs to get on the radio? And how did that hit you? Like, did you assume like, oh yeah, that's that's going to be on the same mm-hmm. radio with pop music? And And who took a chance on that? And how did that actually happen? I don't know how it happened. I think the record label was... Really great at their jobs, but they were a
0: small jazz label. Blue Note Records wasn't really pitching stuff to the pop radio stations. But I think as soon as stuff started to sort of catch on a little, some people at the higher label took over and helped guide them where to push stuff. And you know, I think there were a lot of people involved. It wasn't a manufactured success by any means, it surprised everyone. But I do think, you know, a lot of little hardworking people here and there and there and there, and then a lot of them, and then, you know, stuff just snowballs after that.
1: Yeah, it's so beautiful. And the work you, I mean, you've continued to put out such incredible albums that are all, you know, they take the listener away to a totally different place energetically. And I think what we all want is a change in frequency, you know, and I think your music (laughs) Your music just changes the station that you're on vibrationally. Like it's so beautiful. And and my question is, since you offer that, right? So you offer that level of resonance. How have you stayed resonant and congruent with what feels really good to you while being for years exposed to a machine of the world that sometimes is much more about ego? Like, how do you feel like you've stayed feeling really good, like what good really feels like and not being caught in what people expect. And, you know, the, the way in which our ego, like ach- looks at achievement.
0: Well, with the first record, I was young, but I was surrounded by a lot of good friends and people I worked with good people, family, etc. So that's part of it, right? You have to be around the right people. I also, um, with the success of come away with me, the record it was so successful that there was a lot of haters. You know, there was a lot of like, "Why is this so successful? I don't like it." You know, oh my whenever God. something reaches that tipping point, then you know a lot of people write articles about like how it shouldn't be that successful or how it's not really that good. You
1: know what I'm saying? I, I actually I do know, but I didn't actually know that that went down. But it's it's fascinating. Yeah. Well, but- no, no, no. I mean, I'm
0: just saying from my my perspective. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, when you're when you're an artist you hear a bunch of compliments and it makes you excited you hear one negative thing oh, and it devastates sure. you that for sure so, that
1: for sure so you know
0: when something and also it was kind of the beginning of message boards there wasn't social media yet but there was chat rooms and all that stuff so the online sort of opinions was circulating already so i think i got very like shell shocked by the adulation slash she's not really that good or whatever it was that maybe a small percentage of people would say. And that's again, you know, to each his own with music. Right. But I think that really made me like not sure about myself for about five minutes. And then I kind of regrouped, we went into the studio and I realized that it didn't really matter. No matter what I'm going to do is going to be, good or bad to some people. So I have to love it. And that's really all that matters. And that's, that's art. I mean, that's really the lesson with making art. I think any kind of art, unless you're being hired to do a, a, you know, something for someone else, <laughs> you have to love it yourself. Otherwise the criticisms will either be more hurtful or ring true, or, you know, you can't predict what, what is going to be a success anymore or ever. <laughs> So you just have to make what you love. And so that's what I've done. And that's what I did for the second record. And that's what I've always done.
1: You know, it's beautiful. And you were so young to be exposed to so much. And that's that's a blessing and also very much like a real challenge. And I, I think that you just shared something really powerful for everyone, which is to unattach yourself to the way in which people receive you. Yeah. And just make sure that you're feeling good about it because you have no control. Yeah. And it applies in
0: other areas of life too, but especially in art, you know, any kind of
1: thing you're creating. Yeah. It's interesting because Matthew McConaughey was here talking about winning the Oscar and how that is like not really what people think they want because when you do that, there's a whole bunch of things that come with that. There's an expectation for the next thing you do. There's a this, there's a that. And I think we don't necessarily fully understand because I think even as people who aren't winning Grammys and people who aren't winning Oscars, people do have achievement goalposts and they think Mm -hmm. that they're gonna get certain things from achieving. And when you're on that constant hamster wheel where it's what people think and it's whether you achieve or not, you really do stop having fun that was the most unhappy year of my life. And it's not that I didn't have any fun
0: or that I didn't appreciate it all. It was just the most high stress, like soul, like squeezing (laughs) time. You know, I had a lot of stuff going on and, you know, people get into your personal life and it's just, even if it's very minuscule in comparison to these pop stars today, like of course it was a very tiny version of, of what they go through, but it was just weird.
1: So fascinating. And now uh, (laughs) something that does seem like it's a lot of fun for you is your podcast. Nora Jones is playing along. It's such a great title. And I love that you are having these like musical collabs and these candid conversations. I feel like everyone's so lucky that they get to be a fly on the wall. What made you even want to do that? Well,
0: I've been wanting to do it for a while. Actually, before the pandemic, I I was sort of planning to do it. But the thing with music and playing music together is you cannot do it remotely with each other. There's just enough of lag that you can't, like you and I can't clap on the same beat right now. But I really loved the show called Piano Jazz on NPR by this great pianist, Marion McPartland in high school. And This show is kind of modeled after that. She played music with people and talked. That's really all it is. And there's no parameters. I feel so lucky. I've collaborated with a lot of different types of musicians and I'm very open and I'm very adaptable. So I'm excited to just see where it takes me. I, I, you know, I've had some friends on the show and that's always amazing. And I've had a couple of people that I never met that play very wildly different styles of music than me. And coming together with them has been really really fun. And it's just, I love playing music and I just want to keep doing it. And this is a great way to do it.
1: (laughs) I love collaborating. Tell us a little bit more in terms of what listeners can expect. Like what were some of the surprises to you in the conversations you're having with people? Is there any consistent sort of thread that you see that comes up in conversations that you didn't expect?
0: I definitely didn't expect to get so deep with people. I'm, I don't consider myself, you know, a journalistic interviewer or anything. I knew that we would just have casual conversations and play music, you know, play music together with someone. It's very intimate, especially in a stripped down, just the two of you type of setting. And even though there's microphones recording us, it's almost like we both forget that they're there and we just kind of hang out. and. Um, I feel like a lot of my guests had a really big musical church upbringing. And so that's come up a lot, but not all of them, but I can relate to that. And I like, I like to figure out where people's musicality comes from, but mostly I want to play music with them and have those kinds of musical conversations. So it just sort of flows. It's very casual. There's usually about five songs per episode and sometimes they're very loose and I think people enjoy that actually, but sometimes, I mean, they're just like beautiful recordings of these songs that we're playing together. Sometimes they're songs of the person who's my guest. I've done a couple of my songs. I've had a guest suggest really totally random covers that we've done. And I've had a couple guests where we make up songs on the spot and it's all improvised. So it's it's pretty much guest dependent where it's going to go.
1: It's really, really, really magical. Like there's so few things I can think of where somebody can like basically sit in on a private live impromptu concert by somebody that they like love and admire. I mean, it's really special that you took this and ran with it. I'm curious what you would say about music and the creative process in general. You know, so many people who listen to the show they they do feel this urge to do something creative whether it's to sculpt or paint or write a script or write a song and sometimes they're so in their head and they're so concerned with wanting to make something that's a perfect thing at the end that they don't really know how to relate to the creative process and i'm curious if you could take us into what what it feels like for you like What would you say to someone who wants to make something beautiful? And every time they go to start something, they judge themselves. And so it's hard to sit through that.
0: Yeah, that's one of the hardest things to go through. I went through that in my early twenties and I, I found ways to
1: sort of push through
0: it. I'll give you my advice, but I also recommend reading Jeff Tweedy's book. It's called How to Write One Song. And it's a very short little guidebook on how to keep that creative process going. And even if it's, you're not trying to write a song, it's, it's really helpful info. He said something to me in the podcast that I did with him that I thought was really interesting. True. He said, he doesn't believe in writer's block. He just thinks it's you telling yourself you don't like something and that's what stops you, which I think is really great advice. If you're trying to be creative, don't, don't worry about editing yourself. This is what I figured out in my early twenties when I hit my own bout of writer's block You don't have to let anybody see what you're doing or hear it until you're ready, but just do it. And if you hate it, you scrap it, but you got to finish it to do it. (laughs) And, you know, there's certain songs you're writing sometimes where it's like, Oh, is okay. I don't know. But the more you go, the more you go, the more you like it, the more you chip away at it, the more you like it, the more you like it. And then it becomes like a whole image. And until you, keep doing it and just do free form creative writing or whatever it is you're doing without thinking too much. You can think after it's almost done and then you can tweak it. That's my best advice.
1: That's really beautiful. It's really beautiful. And I, I think similarly, people are always looking for like, well, what's my unique sound? How am I unique? And, you know, if you look back yeah. at, if you look back at Picasso, right. And you just scroll through Google, like for his like earliest work, <laughs> His earliest stuff looks a lot like a lot of the other artists. And then yeah. after you go through a lot of it, you go, oh, that's what I would identify. That's what I recognize as Picasso. That's his like unique thing. Mm-hmm. But like he had to like go through many, many, many years of many, many, many drawings and iterations until he landed on like, this is Picasso. And I think what I said about you earlier is like, it's, it's undeniable that you have, such a unique imprint in your music, in your energy, in the world. And I think if someone's looking at you, it might seem as though that was always the case. And yet knowing anything we know about, right? Like, so what, what do you feel like happened? And what do you feel like might happen for people listening to take a note from your playbook and be able to discover and uncover that sound? I mean, I I did so many gigs, so many gigs.
0: I had one that I was 100% like exactly what I want to do. I mean, I played in a restaurant every weekend in college in Dallas, Texas. And I sang old, old songs. And I played piano and sang. And it was how I learned how to play piano and sing and get my coordination down. But I mean, that's not what I do now. I didn't sound like me now. I sounded like I was doing like a Billie Holiday impression. (laughs) You know what I mean? So you just have to keep doing it to find it. And if you stop yourself and think that you're just going to find it by doing it once, that's not how you find it.
1: And when it comes to other ways that people get in their head, I mean, we've had so many artists like Colby Calais was here and talking about how she gets, or she was at one point, like just totally overcome with stage fright and anxiety and that people might think it's one thing, but it really isn't for her. And um, I can only imagine what it feels like when you're about to play a show in front of thousands of people, and then you have to do that again. And then you have to do that again. Mm -hmm. And what is it like for you? What, What have you been able to come to so that you could enjoy the experience without feeling all the things that your mind could focus on in terms of pressure and all these people and needing to get it right. Like, what was your journey with that?
0: I think I realized that it's all just a moment in time. It's a snapshot. Even making a record is a snapshot of where you are at that moment when you're recording that song. And, you know, it's also kind of like an abstract picture. You're sort of showing the people what you think it is and they're taking it however they're gonna take it. So just have fun doing it. (laughs) And it took me a long time to have fun doing it. You know, I used to um, worry about things that didn't matter when I was performing and not always have the most fun I could possibly have. Of course, now I have the most fun I could possibly have playing music. (laughs) That's always the goal. And I think if you're not, then you need to shift your focus a little.
1: Yes, for sure. I think there's a lot of people in general, not just artists, people all over mm-hmm. and also women, especially who compare themselves to other people and they yeah, look it's at, hard not to. Right. So it's like, I can only imagine, especially when you've been where you've been with your name and lights, it's like, it's hard to not compare yourself to other things and other seasons and all of that stuff. And I imagine that it would be really helpful to then have a different way you look at the world or a different spiritual practice so that you like don't get hooked into that. What yeah. advice would you give to someone who finds themselves comparing themselves to other moms on Instagram or people who are doing things that look like they're further along? Like, How have you come out of the trap of, of comparison?
0: I mean, you got to get off the social media. That's really the, the best way to do it. Wow. I mean, it's really a big, it's a mean, big
1: have you really been so able hard. to do that? You're really off of the apps I've mostly.
0: Never, I've never had the apps installed on my phone. So I do it sometimes I do it for work, you know, of course, but anytime I've ever started scrolling, I just instantly feel like crap. And it doesn't mean I'm even looking at people that I'm comparing myself sure, to. Sure, I just, sure, It's just, yeah, I just think it's it's so fun and it's such a drag that it makes you feel so bad, <laughs> you know?
2: I,
1: I agree with all of the above. It's really it's, the healthiest thing is to, to limit it. It's fascinating because of how many hours people really are spending on it. Like it'd be one thing if like when you said that it was like, oh yeah, you know, I probably spend a couple hours a week, but the, the data that's collected is that people are spending at least three to six to nine hours a day. And I'm curious when you're not doing that, which you're not, how does Nora Jones spend a day (laughs) without? No, no, seriously, people don't know how to fill their time anymore. They don't know what else there is to do other than being on their phone. What are some of the things that you love doing that you're doing because you're not on your phone?
0: I started walking a lot and exercising, which I'd never, I wish somebody had told me in my 20s how important that is for your mind, not necessarily your body so much, but just feeling good every day and not depressed. I mean, I feel like uh, playing music is one of those things. The problem with all of us today, and I'm totally guilty. I'm not like some perfect person who never gets on their phone, but we're not very present, right? So even with our kids or our spouse or our friends, you know, we're in the same room with them sometimes and we're still on our phones. I mean, even without social media, you can get sucked into your phone. But for me, I think playing music is the most present thing I can do playing music with other people specifically. And so that's why um, performing is so fun. And some of my favorite people that I've played with are the most present musicians. They're reacting to everything I'm doing. They're adding to it. And I feel like that's how I want to be in life. And it's really hard if you own a phone. (laughs) It's really not
1: your fault either. It's, we all struggle with it, you know. <laughs> it's, it's so big and it just, it's something that every podcast I'm on, I realize like I want to be talking about it because when you say it, it's just yeah. fascinating. Like, where is the attention? Where is the presence? Like, where is our presence? It's like on this device. It's very, it really is a big deal. And what I love about you, sharing all that is it's very congruent with the music you make. Like, I feel like sometimes people make music and it gives you a certain feeling or a vibration and then who they are as a person is just a different vibration than that. But what's really beautiful is that I think everything people equate with you and what you put in the world is something that takes us away from what makes us feel small, what makes us feel very stressed. And what they equate with you is something that makes you feel like you can breathe something that makes you feel like you actually are free. And Mm -hmm. the fact that these are the things that you say about how you live your life is just, it's really so beautiful. Like you're living it. You're living the music you make. Oh, not every day. Trust me.
0: I I falter like anyone, but thanks. I mean, definitely not quite there yet. (laughs)
1: Well, but... that's, that's also, that's also good to know, but it does sound like you have these very strong, like the value is there, right? That's your value. That's your yeah. North star. Cause I'll tell you what, whether you falter or not, we've done almost 700 episodes, wow. very few people, maybe less than three people have ever said that they don't have social media apps on their phone, you know? Oh so I am in the, the top like percentage of people who <laughs> no, don't have social
0: media apps so, on my phone. Oh, yeah. I do want to say one other thing about creativity and our phones. <laughs> it's like, it's so great. You have voice memos on your phone. You have notes. You can always write stuff down. But I started walking a lot in the last year. And for a long time, I was always listening to a podcast always or music, but I could not just be by myself with my thoughts. But uh, somebody told me to just try to do my walk without listening to anything. It's sort of like a meditation, you know. Okay, okay, okay. I've come up with more song ideas walking without having constant uh, stimulation, you know, from the listening to stuff. I've come up with more song ideas that way than any other way lately. Just having a moment with your thoughts. Like, that's that's how you get creative.
1: It's so... So true. And it's amazing how we just, I think so often there's just a fear of what happens if I create the space. What will I feel that scares me? How will I be with what I feel? And we think we have to to fill the space instead of just showing up and being a witness for yourself. You know, you don't even have to. Yeah, you never know. You never know what's going to come out of your head. Yeah, and it's amazing, but it's so true that like every beautiful thing started as an idea. And you don't have a bandwidth. There's there's no space for the idea if you filled the space because you're busy. Yeah. And so really and truly there's a need for like the productivity. What you're saying is like, wow, if I like do nothing, maybe that's really productive. If then I come yeah. up with But we usually don't think it works that way.
0: No. And like, you know, driving too, for a long time, I would always make sure I had something to listen to uh, or turn on the radio. God forbid it was silent, you know, (laughs) But same thing. If it's quiet, it's like the best thinking time because you're doing something, but you're not doing too many things (laughs) in your, your head can be quiet.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Do you live in a place where there's a lot of nature or do you live in a City.
0: City. But I
1: I get to nature for a a lot. Yeah. Yeah. What's one thing from the podcast that you just want to share with listeners that was an episode that stands out to you? I know you you haven't done like years of it yet, but you just started, but is there something special or an episode that just for some reason has stuck with you that you would love to tell listeners to just check out?
0: Oh, they're all so good, (laughs) but um, I feel like each one has like a profound... Moment of information, I, I was excited to learn about the person. But the Mavis Staples episode is really special because she's such a warm, loving, funny person, and she's Mavis Staples, so she sings like nobody's business. So, and she would just go off on stories about her history and you know, just start singing, and I would just start playing with her. And we, it was just very spontaneous and, and sweet. And that's a great episode.
1: All right, this is going to be, I think, probably my last question for you. I was just thinking like, when you achieve so much so young, which you have, and not just achieve so much in terms of like all the things that we think are successful, right? But also just artistically and like just so many things have come out of you and like have been a part of your path so young. I just think about like, then when you're dreaming about tomorrow, and tonight, and what you want. It's like, what is Nora Jones' wish and dream about when you've already seen and achieved so many beautiful experiences and creative ideas? What keeps you feeling inspired and excited? What's on that, I don't know, buffet table of the the things that you dream about?
0: Well, I think because I achieved the unthinkable kind of success so young, I had to readjust my goals in life. And I really just focused on the music from then on out. That's what
2: I focus on like
0: now. I woke up so excited to go record with this friend of mine because we have this song brewing that is really cool. And I thought of like short goals in terms of, I don't have like crazy career goals anymore because I'm pretty happy with my life and I love working, but I don't want to overwork. But I do think another thing is, you know, for the first 10 years after my first record came out and was so successful, a lot of things dropped in my lap. The last 10 years, they stopped dropping in your lap so much. They stopped dropping in your lap so much. So I had to start really thinking about other than just thinking of fun songs to do. Like, is there anything I want to do? And this podcast is one of those things. So I had to, I have to start thinking a little more proactively now, maybe, but it's usually just music driven and stuff I'm excited by.
1: I love that. I had a friend say to me yesterday, she's like, well, now you're in your forties. And so it's like, when you were busy wanting to achieve certain things in your twenties, like now maybe it's spiritual things you want to achieve. And I was like, yeah. I love that, like I love the <laughs> oh yeah, instead of being busy with like making this money or da da da, it's like, oh, I could be busy with taking deeper breaths or busy with like being more in integrity with myself, right, and it's kind of like I feel that from you that those things are more of the the focus,
0: yeah, I just try to be nice and stop looking at my phone so much, that's all I'm trying to do, <laughs> just like everyone. <laughs>
1: Totally, totally, all right, well, tell everybody where they can find the podcast. I'm sure it's everywhere you can listen to podcasts, and uh tell everyone where they can follow along with all the the musings that are coming through you. yeah, the podcast is called
0: Nora Jones is playing along, and you can find the handle on my social media sites and you can get it anywhere you get podcasts. We're not exclusive to anyone at this point, so. <laughs> Yes, it's really fun. And you know, you scroll through, you might recognize some of the musicians, you might not, but it's a nice variety of people and it's pretty fun.
1: It's really cool to get to talk to you. I really appreciate your the whole thing, your warmth and sweetness and the things that you say, so much wisdom in it. And we will put the links obviously in our show notes and we'll spread it to everybody. So thanks for making a podcast and thanks for coming on here to talk (laughs) about everything. Thanks for having me. It was great to talk to you. You too. Oh my goodness. How cool is she? Nora is awesome. All right. Here are the takeaways. Number one, all we want is a change in frequency. Take your audience away to a totally different energetic place. Number two, no matter what you do, it's going to be good or bad to some people. You have no control over that. So you have to love it yourself. That's really all that matters. Number three, play with no parameters. Just see where it takes you. Number four, when you're trying to be creative, don't worry about editing yourself. Just do it. The more you go and chip away at it, the more you're going to like it. Number five, even if you do nothing, that can be really productive. Number six, take a moment with your thoughts. That's how you get creative. Number seven, have the most fun you could possibly have. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being here. We have such good episodes coming up. So please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, wherever you're listening. And if you're enjoying this show, it would mean the world to me if you left a review because it just helps people find it and it means so much. And did I tell you that we are doing giveaways every single day of this free workshop that I'm doing? So if you'd like to be winning things like Apple headphones or Marc Jacobs bags and learning from me... Go join the free workshop at kathyheller.com workshop. It's happening all week. And if you know someone who would enjoy this episode, post about it. You can tag Nora. She's at Nora Jones on Instagram. You can tag me. But I hope that this episode, just like everything we're doing, I hope that it's making a difference. And I hope that you're starting to feel just how much is really available, just how much is here for us to focus on, for us to tap into. I love you so much. I'll leave you with a song and I'll talk to you soon.
2: Thunder.